just speak into our lives and help Jamie as he delivers the message that you've given to him as he's prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, church. This is, uh, this is a new one for me because I've, I've never done a Christmas sermon, which is, is very exciting. Initially, I was a bit nervous because I think, well, that's, that's the one that everybody knows the most. Um, but uh, I found some stuff out. So hopefully I'll be able to communicate some of those things. Hopefully this is going to um, have an impact on you. So, yeah, I am starting this series. And the first one is, is Hope and Survival. And uh, so we begin our story um, with Mary. But uh, I'm going to focus on <coughs> five characters this morning. Okay, so you'll be able to count those and know how far we are through. Okay, so I'm going to be uh, focusing on Mary. I'm going to be talking a bit about Joseph. I'm going to be talking a bit about Simeon. And I'm going to be talking about Herod and the shepherds. I'm grouping them into one there. So, uh, but, uh, you know, like Tim said this morning, you know, Christmas can become a bit normal. But what I'm trying to promote here is that all of these characters are normal people, okay? But some of the decisions they make, some of the choices they make, are anything but normal. So, um, so yes, this is the story of hope and survival. Ordinary people, some of them recognizing that they need a savior because we need God himself to come and grab us up. Because Christmas means hope for me from doing this sermon. Christmas means hope. Okay, so the next slide. The world is a dark place. If you take a look at what's happening in the world at the time when uh, Mary was around uh, during the birth of Jesus, there was violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees, Fleeing uh, refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, and bottomless grief. Sounds a bit familiar? <laughs> yeah. Things haven't changed. And uh, so I want to talk about how maybe we could fix that. I think everybody's got different ideas, and I've had conversations at work, and people have conversations at the pub, and they uh, come up with ideas to fix this. Uh, you know, they, they try and identify the problem. Now, as I see it, most people like to blame somebody else, right? It's the rich. It's the rich. It's their fault, right? They've got all the money. They're not sharing. Some other people are saying it's the, the immoral, right? So we're looking at the Christmas story this morning, and we're thinking uh, we've got Mary and Joseph, and then we've got the poor. You know, they didn't have a place to be. They must be all right. Yeah, that must be the, the place. That must be the answer. Okay, Isaac's got a uh, advent calendar from Marks and Spencers. We popped in there to get some buns, and uh, we saw the advent calendars there, and we thought, well, should we get them now? I thought, yeah, it's better quality chocolate in there. Let's get the advent calendars, right? And um, Judah chose the Father Christmas one, and Isaac chose the nativity one, because the nativity ones are very rare. Okay, you don't see them hardly anywhere. But in this nativity scene, it's beautiful. You've got a very sort of simple, stylish drawing of Mary and Joseph in the stable with the manger, uh, with the manger, 
and all these uh, sort of uh, Middle Eastern buildings are sort of up and around them, okay? So, and then you've got the star. And it makes you think, you know, there's not many people there come to see Jesus. You know, all these big buildings towering over them with light shining and people are happily getting on with those lives. For me, they represent the middle class. So maybe, yeah, maybe that what's with that? Those guys don't know what's going on. Why don't they know what's going on? So I'm trying to get a picture of what's going on. But the truth is, is that the darkness, the evil, it actually exists in every single human heart. And we need a light to identify that so that we can make a change. Otherwise, the cycle goes round and around and around. So the next slide is Mary. Okay, so I've been doing some drawings because I was thinking about these characters and I was praying about them. I didn't really know how to do it, so I, I did spend some time doing some drawings so that I could just think about the people involved. So this is my, this is my Mary. Okay, so we're going to start off this story uh, in Luke, Luke 1, if you want to follow along with me. As Tim's mentioned many times, there's Bibles at the back if anybody wants one of those. So we're going to start at Luke 1, verse 26. And we're going to see the story. Okay, so that's Luke 1, 26. And we're going to read through to verse 38. So, as it says, and this is the ESV, it says, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, discern, that's important. She tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary, Mary's an interesting character. So as I read this, and I'm thinking about her, you know, this young girl who's not high on the social ladder, okay, she's, you know, they are, they are poor people. And she is, she's young. And imagine meeting this angel. Naturally, Mary doubted, okay? She questioned, 
and she reasoned. Okay, and that's what she was doing when she'd descend, when she was listening to the angels. So she doubted, she questioned, she discerned. Okay, these are important things. Now, doubt's an interesting one because often in church or as a Christian, you think, well, I'm not going to doubt. There's many pieces of scripture which remind us, you know, be steadfast, stick to, to the plan, look to the Lord, right? Do not doubt, okay? But this doubt is important. There's two types of doubt. Okay, there is a doubt that seeks answers, but there is also a doubt that is a defense against the possibility of an answer. Mary was open to the truth, and, um, and as a result, she relinquishes any idea of her own self-sovereignty, uh, the sovereignty over her life, and over to God to let him do what he has said he's going to do. Around the same time, obviously, we have Elizabeth and Zachariah. Zachariah has a very different experience of doubt, okay? So he is in the temple, and he is visited by the angel. And the angel says, you're going to have a child, right? So Zachariah responds with that different type of doubt. How do I know what you are saying is true? And the angel looks at him and said, I stand in front of the Most High. That's where I have come from. I am from God, right? Now, as a result of that type of doubt, Zachariah was told that he will be silent until the birth of the child, okay? So we see two different types of doubt. So Mary is a really important example for us in terms of that communication, that relationship with God via the angels. Okay, so the question I have for you guys at this point is what type of doubt do you have? What type of doubt do you have in the different situations that come up in your life? Okay, so doubt. Okay, Mary. Right, now the next person is Joseph. Okay, and a lot of people miss him out. Okay, but Joseph is a really great example, especially for this morning. Um, Looks a bit like he could be in one direction or something, you know, something, you know. Uh, all of these people are based on contemporary photographs that I was using as reference, but I'm trying to identify these normal people and the decisions that they make. So this is Joseph. And a lot of people forget that Joseph was also visited by an angel. So in Matthew 18, okay, this is Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 1, 18, verse 18 to 25, okay, and, uh, and I'll just add this extra piece of the story in here, so it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child, uh-oh, from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The reason I think it's really important to remember Joseph is because he's another one of these characters which helps connect us to the story in fresh and new ways. Okay, so he's a normal guy, and he needed that communication from God. He needed that angel. There was something very unusual, very powerful happening, and he needed that visit from the angel. But again, he responds in the way that we should respond uh, to, that, to that angel, to that command. He did uh, what he was supposed to do. He heard the word of God. He received it. And that's, and that's why I want him up there. That's why we've got to remember Joseph. Okay, the next slide is, um, is Simeon. Okay, so later on in the story, and we're going to go back a little bit here, but uh, Simeon comes in later on in the life of um, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Okay, this is where they're, they're getting away uh, from Bethlehem. Okay, and there's an important point here uh, that I want us to uh, go through is the Nunc Dimittis. Yeah, okay. So uh, something that I had not uh, known about before. Okay, very, very famous um, piece of scripture which Simeon is responsible for is now let the Lord... Uh, now, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. We find this in Luke 2, 25. So um, Simeon had been waiting for God. He'd been waiting for God to come. And this was a, such an important point in, in Jesus' life and in the life of Mary and Joseph, as they were refugees escaping from Herod, that they met Simeon and they received uh, a word from him. So normally, this is the most famous line that we hear, and this is uh, the one that we talk about. This is the one that gets sung and chanted, but um, he also uh, brought an important blessing. And just after what I've just read, he reads, um, but he goes on to speak to Mary. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his Mary, his mother, Jesus' mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed, for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And that's Luke 2 from verse 34 to 35. What, what Simeon was doing was feeding into Mary and helping her to get a fuller picture of what's going on, giving her a resource. You know, the truth is this resource is 
is important for us as well because if you, if you identify yourself with Jesus, you will be seen as offensive. Okay, this has become more and more apparent to me. Even just recently, you've spoken in life groups. You share our lives together. We share stories of what it's like out in the world. And if you're identifying yourself with Jesus, this is becoming more and more true. You will become offensive because he is offensive. Expect conflict as a way to peace. If you follow Jesus, being humble, honest, moral, if Christmas is a reality for you, then like Jesus, there's not going to be much room in a lot of inns for you either. Okay, so it's important to bear in mind. And I think that this is something that was a resource that fed into Mary's life and it can feed into ours as well. So Simeon, the next guy we're going to talk about is Herod, King Herod. Okay, and this all centers around where is the true king? Okay, which was very troubling for Herod. Where is the true king? So this is what the wise men said to Herod. And if you go in to see a king who's sitting on a throne and you say, where's the king? Where's the true king? It's not going to go down well. Okay? All right, so this is why, this, uh, if there's one thing you're taking from this sermon, it's where is the king? Okay? So in Matthew 2, verse 1 to 12, that's what we're going to read. So it's Matthew 2. Okay? I'm going to stick with Herod for a little bit. Matthew 2, verse 1 to 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the aspect of survival, of the hope and survival here. How close, how dangerous Jesus' life was there. 
So Herod was troubled. You see, when you ask, uh, you ask, where is the king? Um, this is when you are the king and people are asking you, where is the true king? We can be like Herod. This is the problem. This is, this is what I realized. This is one of the, the new things that I realized, that we can be like Herod. The question can be very disturbing for us because we want to be on the throne when it comes to our lives, right? My, my question to you is, has your kingship been knocked, right? Now, uh, recently, I had a situation at work uh, where I'm responsible for teaching the students all the software side of the course. I'm not an academic. I'm a technician. And there's a new piece of software that I want to teach the students. And it's free for people that teach the so that want to teach the software. So I applied to them, and they said, yeah, we need proof from your university. I said, that's no problem. I will speak to registry. Registry said, no, you need to speak to HR. So I went to HR, and HR said, yep, that's fine. And I got back to my office, walked back across campus, and I opened up my emails, and the email was from HR. They said, Jamie, we cannot send that email to that company for that software because you do not teach in your contract. And I was like, right. And it, it, it knocked me. You know, I've been working there for 15 years. And all of my students call me teacher, right? I show them how to do things. Now, officially in my contract, I'm a technician. I'm a demonstrator. I demonstrate. I don't teach. Well, the software, they don't provide free software pe to people who are technicians or who demonstrate. So I was very frustrated. I work with a team of people who are academics. And they don't teach any of the software. They teach the academic side, right? So um, they can all have the software for free, right? <laughs> but I can't. This was an opportunity for me to get very cross and to stamp my foot, <laughs> right? To sit on my throne, right? And say, hey, I've been doing this for 15 years, okay? You should recognize me for who I am, right? Well, the, you know, you can, you can see these things creeping in. Uh, probably in your own lives, you know, where you think you are such and such. And, and I think there's some value in getting knocked every now and again, even if it's for the wrong reason, okay? But um, the, it's questions of being put in your place, you know, or criticized or corrected. Um, but the reality is something much bigger, as Tim brought this morning, okay? I'm not a teacher. Some people might not. Some people might say I'm not a preacher, right? But I tell you what I am. I'm a servant of God, right? And I'll do what He has asked me to do. I have doubts, like Mary, but I discern. I ask questions. I struggle, right? As we all do. There's a little Herod inside of me, okay? And there might be a little Herod inside of you as well, okay? Now, what, what I would say to anybody is don't let the possibility of being put in your place stop you from stepping forward in faith. Okay, so, and, and also Paul recognizes that there's a little Herod in all of us, and he recognizes, recognizes that in Romans. 
And uh, we can look at that briefly. It's Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And it's only a few words, so don't worry about reading this. But you'll all be familiar with, the, with what he says, which is, what I hate, I do. What I hate, I do. Because that, that darkness that we spoke about at the very beginning, the darkness that's in the human heart, okay, that's part of it as well. Okay, we need that light to shine, to recognize that darkness, to recognize that we're not the king. There is a true king, and we'll look to him. Okay, it's the same thing which let Mary get rid of all her doubt and to trust and to follow and to obey. Okay, so we need that light. And also, I would say that that is why we have to be extremely intentional about our prayer life and about accountability and these sort of things. So having those relationships is very important. So that's, that's Herod. And the next person, or the next people, is our shepherd. And this is an encouragement for me. Okay, this is um, because we know about shepherds. We've been taught about shepherds previously. A bit stinky. They're not, you know, considered, they're considered lower level in society. Okay, unclean and... People don't want to hang out with them. But for some reason, again, God chooses to invite them to the party. Angels, a horde of angels, a host of angels come and see shepherds. Why is he doing it this way? Why is he choosing these people which society seems to reject? This is the point I want to make with the shepherds is that if a message is challenging or hard to believe, it is easy to dismiss. It's easy, it's easy to dismiss. It is, um, and if it's easy to dismiss, it's probably because we're focusing on the messenger. Okay? So there might be a really challenging message, and, uh, and we dismiss it because of the way it's delivered. There's, a, there's another way of, of putting it. Uh, you know, like, why believe in someone like that? Someone who you don't agree with, someone you don't like, who's bringing something important. Why would I trust them? Why would I believe them? Some of you might not trust me, right? So um, it's easy not to hear the word, um, especially if it comes through non-spectacular means. Uh, this is actually a quote. Um, it is easy not to hear the word of God because it comes to us through such non-spectacular means. It's a quote from Tim Keller, okay? He's one of my favorites, okay? I know that sometimes he doesn't have that, that presence, okay? But uh, if he feels that same way, I mean, to think we're, we can identify with the shepherds because as they were going, after speaking to the angels, they were going to find Jesus and see what God was doing. They would have said, they would have seen people and people would say, where are you going? You know, and they said, well, we're going to go and see the king. We're going to go and see Jesus. But we never see that in the nativity. We don't see this rabble that say, oh, the shepherds, we've got to go. The shepherds are going over there, right? Because people didn't do that. See, yeah, let's let the shepherds do what they're doing. You know, so um, they were dismissed. So um, it gives me confidence, right? Because I'm bringing God's message. And I might be a shepherd people i might be a bit stinky you know i might be a bit unclean but it's okay um so um in the next 
slide, I've got, I have come for the weak. This is, this is what God is saying. This whole story is upside down. From the world's point of view, it's completely upside down. You know, Jesus grew up in a stable. There was no room in the inn. They were running for their life, refugees. You know, it's, they're the poor. You know, no, nothing makes sense from a world point of view. But God says, I have come for the weak. God says, I, choo- I chose old Sarah and not young Hagar. I chose Leah, not Rachel. I chose Rebecca, who can't have children. I chose Hannah, who can't have children. I chose Samson's mother, who couldn't have children. I chose Elizabeth, who couldn't have children. I chose Nazareth, not Jerusalem. I chose the girl that nobody wants. I will choose the boy that everyone has forgotten. I have come for the weak. I have come for those admit that admit that they are weak. I will save them, not by what they do, but through what I do. This is the God we worship. This is an upside down story which the world does not understand fully, but hopefully we do. The last slide is something which just helps me to bring everything together. Um, which is, uh, I'll, read, I'll read this out. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but the world of sin, but this world of sin where the meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Thank you, Lord. We, I, wonder, I asked Tim if he would pray for us because it seems that, as per usual, God is communicating different things to different people, but it all connects up. And this story is all about reconciliation. It's all about recognizing the darkness inside of us, relinquishing our own thrones, and accepting Christ into our lives, being part of this upside-down story. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. Um, I just want to lead us, as Jamie said, for the next couple of minutes into just some time of prayer and reflection. Because like Jamie said, the world is a dark place. You know, and we look at you know, the wars that are going on, the, the poor, the poverty. We look at even our own country. We think, oh, Brexit, oh, great, what's next year going to bring? But take that aside for a moment and look at yourself. And I wonder if you feel like you may be, things in your life are in a dark place. And you don't know what, in many ways, next week or next month or next year is going to bring, even certain situations. And Jamie led us so excellently through five characters that, you know, who would have chosen, like Jamie said, it's an upside down way of doing things. You know, that God chooses the weak amongst us. And he doesn't want us to be the king. Herod was like, you know, who is the king? The guy comes in. You know, you wouldn't want that. Who is your king in these things? The things that are in the dark place. Where are you putting your hope in? Let's take a a few moments to think for yourself. Where are you putting your hope in? Who is your king in these dark things in your life? Maybe Brexit is a big thing. You're worried about it because of your job. Let's just take a moment to think about these things.
because then we're going to release them to God. Father God, we recognize that often we like to be in control. We like to be the king of our lives. We like to rule and be sovereign over our lives, whether that is our workplaces or even our family life of how we do Christmas lunch or, or whether how we do a, 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 a gathering of people when we invite people around or whether we like to live and do things in a certain way because we like it. But Father God, I pray that you would help us over this Christmas period to release things over to you, to make you the king of our lives. And for all those dark things that in many ways that we are worried about, how's this going to turn out? Am I going to get the deadline done by, by finished work? Are we, you know, how am I going to afford to pay for this this Christmas? Father, we just give that to you. All these detailed things that you care about. But Father, at the same time, we put you king over our lives. We say, Jesus, you are the king. And we're so thankful that you use the weak people. You choose purposely to use the weak. Not the people that have got it all sorted, that seem all strong and ready to go. But you use people like me and us, Father, for your purposes. And I pray that this Christmas series, that we would put our hope and make you the king of our lives.